Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Offenses should use a lot of play action, and they should send lots of players in motion. Big plays that make you say yes or say rats. These are a few of my favorite stats. Defense adjusted value over average. Helps me know if this play is good from scrimmage. Go for it, pass more with your quarterbacks. These are a few of my favorite stats. When the trolls come. When the homers get me feeling sad, I simply go back to my favorite stats, and then I can feel less bad. Start! You can call me Bruce. Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive, and here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive of Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. You know, that was not part of the original plan. But sometimes creativity strikes you, even if it's a little bit off kilter. You see, this particular podcast was also not on the schedule. You know how much I love my schedules. This was not on the schedule. However... I have someone who messaged me not too long ago, and I don't really know if he wants me to say who he is, so I won't. And he said, Bruce, would you be willing to help me? I want to have a little blurb written up on a few of your favorite team stats in football. And I said, well, that's fun because, you know, I love stats. They're fun. They're tools that can be utilized appropriately if you know what they mean. I mean, the entire function of QB stew is to help us balance out flaws in some quarterback metrics with boons in other quarterback metrics. That's the entire point. So I love me some metrics as long as they are used for their intended purpose and within that function only. And as I started writing them down, I said, a few of my favorite stats... A few of my favorite stats. That reminds me of the sound of music. And all of a sudden, inspiration struck me. And I just started writing that down. And I thought that was funny. So I did it. So I hope it made you smile. I hope it made you chuckle. And I managed to put in all five of the statistics that we are going to talk about today into that particular, particular song at the beginning of this show. And so we're going to start right off the bat 
by allowing this to be said, and that is, these are not the five best statistics. I don't know how on earth you would specifically categorize the best statistics. What are the best ones? I I don't know. It depends on what you're trying to measure. It's like asking me what my best meal is. Well, it's my favorite meal, but can you really objectively say what the best meal is? I mean, I'm sure someone probably could, but not me. But I can tell you five of my favorite statistics. And we're going to start right off the bat with toxic differential. I think toxic differential is as meaningful now as it's ever been. But that doesn't necessarily mean it can tell you anything other than the result. It is not a leading indicator. Some of these metrics that we're going to be talking about, and it's important to note that I am using the term metric and statistic interchangeably on this podcast. They are not interchangeable. However, all of the things that I'm talking about are statistics, not metrics. Metrics are things that are measured in a quantitative fashion. They're measured with a number. But a statistic is something that is objectively measured. It's measured by a formula. So if I look at someone's dive and they say, oh, that was a nine, that's a metric, not a statistic. It has a numeral for sure. It's not a number, but it's not objectively scored. If I score a round in MMA and I give it 10-9, that's a metric. That's not a statistic. However, if you specifically record significant strikes, that would be an example of a statistic. Now, for the purposes of this discussion, I'm using the terms interchangeably because all statistics are metrics, but not all metrics are statistics. In this case, all of the things we're talking about are statistics. They're all done formulaically. It's not... There's no human intervention in the middle of the application. Now, the human may have came up with a formula for these particular things, but they're not individually calculating them and adding their subjectivity at each calculation. Therefore, they are statistics. But for the purposes of this conversation, if you hear me use the words interchangeably, it's because they are. So toxic differential. It becomes more important now, even though... It's not something you can use as a leading indicator. You can't look at it and go, oh man, you know, our toxic differential is low. We should, we should do X, Y, and Z. No, no, it's a results-based metric. It tells you what the big plays looked like as far as the numbers go on offense and the big plays allowed looked like on defense. And creating big plays on offense and limiting big plays on defense has become the name of the game in the NFL. Because this idea that you're going to get three yards in a cloud of dust and an offense can consistently drive the field with drives that have double-digit plays in them isn't a thing. The popularization of the Vic Fangio-style too-high defense is in direct response to the fact that you have high-powered offenses with elite quarterbacks. It's almost a rite of passage now in the NFL where if your offense starts getting those looks, you have the respect of defense because there's trying to stop big plays. And if they're consistently playing one high against you, it's probably because they don't respect your ability to create big plays, particularly in the passing game. So it's a lagging indicator. It's not a leading one. You can't look at it and go, well, man, you know, we really need to do something. Of course, you're trying to do something about it. It's a result of how well you did something. So it's an evaluative tool. It's not a leading indicator it's a lagging indicator. The second one is defense adjusted value over average, otherwise known as DVOA. 
Because one of the most popular things to argue about is how good something is. And how do you measure how good something is? Oh, well, it's really good. Okay. In compared to what? It's good in relation to what? And that's what DVOA is attempting to do. Every time a statistical argument is made, an easy counter is the opposition. Well, he had a harder schedule. Well, he had an easier schedule. It doesn't matter whether the schedule is bone-crushingly difficult or soft as a down pillow. Somehow that's always going to be a counter. Well, he plays in a weak division. Oh, well, he plays in a hard division. Oh, he plays tougher defense. Oh, he plays weaker defenses. But DVOA attempts to provide context where it can otherwise be lacking by adjusting performance for the standard. That being the average play of that down and distance at that location of the field against that team. How well do teams typically perform on third down and 10 against the Ravens at midfield? Does your team do better or worse than that? And that matters because it's adding all the context. It's adding the context for down and distance. It's adding the context for team you're playing. It even has an allowance in there for whether the game is being played outdoors or indoors. Now, they can't control, you know, weather. You know, 20-mile-an-hour winds versus 35-mile-an-hour winds are not calculated. But it attempts to add as much context as humanly possible. There is no perfect statistic. But when you are attempting to measure how good something is, it's always relative. We're talking about this. It's not about how good you are in a vacuum. It's about how good you are relative to the rest of your peers. That's why QB stew is a thing. That's why it's done in rankings. It's how good you are relative to your peers. Because if you score really well and then 30 other quarterbacks score better than you, you didn't score really well. Sorry. Because well does not exist in a vacuum. It exists relative to other players at your same position, doing your same thing. So ranking defenses or offenses by total yards, right, is a starting point, but it lacks a tremendous amount of nuance. And utilizing DVOA is the logical next step. The third thing that I really like to measure is pass rate over expectation. I did a podcast two years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. That said that there was a myth, a football myth, about running and stopping the run being correlative to success. It does not correlate as significantly as passing and stopping the pass. The adage that running and stopping the runs are the keys to success, it doesn't hold much weight today the way it used to. And if I'm evaluating offensive play calling of a team that has any sort of reasonable quarterback, I am going to look at leading indicators, not like toxic differential, which is a lagging indicator. This is a leading indicator, like pass rate, over expectation. You are trying to generate explosive plays. We already talked about that when we talked about toxic differential. And explosive plays on offense are more likely to occur through the passing game. If a team is calling fewer pass plays in situations where other teams are letting it rip, they are putting themselves at a disadvantage relative to other teams. And they may not be putting themselves in the best position to win games consistently. The fourth Play action, motion, and tempo rate. Listen, I understand that it might feel like I'm cheating 
by including all these things together, but they're all functional together, and I can't evaluate any of them without evaluating all of them. So I'm going to count them as one. Because play action rate in a vacuum doesn't help me. It's play action plus motion rate plus tempo, and I'll tell you why. The vast majority of NFL quarterbacks perform better when there's play action. There is a correlation between tempo, which tempo being the time between individual offensive plays. Faster would be tempo. And motion rate and offensive efficiency. There's a correlation there. Press the easy buttons. Give the defense more to worry about pre and post snap so you can increase the likelihood of a defender being out of position. If you increase the likelihood of a defender being out of position, you are now increasing the likelihood of an explosive offensive play. And now we're back to toxic differential. Your offense can afford to be more static. By that mean, I mean less motion and play action. If it's operating at a good tempo. So have tempo or use motion and play action at a high rate. Kyle Shanahan's offenses have been slow as dirt. They are slower than molasses in the middle of a Buffalo winter. But he consistently uses high percentages of play action and motion to create efficiency for his offense. An offense being both slow and static correlates with diminished effectiveness. Be fast or fluid, but try to avoid being neither. So ideally, you would want to be fast and fluid, but typically those things are inversely proportional. Because if you're running your plays at a really quick pace, you probably don't have time for the motions before the snap. So it's either be fast or fluid, ideally in a world both, but never neither. Never be slow and static. If you're slow and static, you are missing out on opportunities to create explosive plays by allowing the defense to know exactly when you're going to line up, exactly where you're going to line up, and give more time to communicate, which increases their margin for error. You want to decrease their margin for error. You want to put them in a spot where a false step can mean a big play for you. But if you're constantly rolling out slowly in the exact same spots, then you are making it easier for them to do their jobs. Be fast or fluid, but never be neither. The fifth one, fourth down go rate over expectation. Continuing in the trend of trying to put your team in the best position to win, being above the average on fourth down aggressiveness while the league is still populated with more conservative coaches can help your team stay ahead of the curve. And that curve is rapidly trending upward. It's becoming every year, every year, over and over again, more and more aggressive in fourth down. You have to stay ahead of the curve. The notion that a punt is a turnover with some added field position is starting to become more prominent. It used to be, well, the punt's not a bad play here. Every time there was a third and long, somebody would say, you know, punt's not a bad play. It's okay. Saying that don't turn the ball over. If you throw it deep and turn the ball over on third down, or if you throw an incomplete pass and then punt it on third down, it's very similar. And I think that notion is starting to kind of work its way into NFL head coaches. And you got to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to that. I'm not saying always go for it on fourth down. I'm not saying that at all. 
I'm saying this idea that you might not gain that much from punting because you're on their 40 is starting to work its way in. And if you're below the curve, when you still have a fair amount of reasonably conservative head coaches that are pulling that average down, that's not a good sign. You're taking points off the board. You're taking opportunities to get explosive plays and scoring plays because you're probably in their side of the field. You're taking those things off the table. So those are the five things that I enjoy watching because one of them is a lagging indicator, which is toxic differential. One of them is like a measurement, which is DVOA. And then the last three, pass rate over expectation, play action, motion rate and tempo, and then fourth down go rate. Those are things I can use to help evaluate coaching. Are your coaches putting your team in what I would consider to be better positions to win games? If an offense is struggling, I'm going to start by looking at whether or not the coaches are putting them in good position to make plays. Because play calling critiques are complicated. Because a lot of it's film. A lot of it's film. And that's really hard to kind of, it's really hard to communicate with an easy digestible thing. But I'll tell you what isn't hard to communicate that's easy and digestible is whether or not you are hitting the easy buttons on offense and whether or not you're consistently leveraging plus opportunities from an analytics standpoint to put points on the board. Those things are a lot easier to point to. I'm not saying they're always the correct answer because there's an art to play calling, but judging art is always going to be difficult. But there's also a science to play calling. And that's the science part that we're talking about. Because the art stuff, I can take you through. Do you remember a couple years ago, it was Bills versus Cardinals. And I finally got a little bit fed up of the narrative that the Bills take their foot off the gas in the third quarter. And I literally went through and charted every single play, every single one for the third quarter. And I outlined them on this podcast. And then when I was done, I said, does it sound to you like they took the foot off the gas? That's the kind of work that's necessary to digest the art side of play calling. But the science side of play calling, are you putting your team in best position to win, can be partially evaluated through the use of the metrics I outlined. And that's what I like to do about it. That's why I like them. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. we got a couple things to go over and then we'll wrap it up. Stick with me. I'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L- 
V-A-N-29.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Two quick things I want to talk about, and then we'll get out of here. The first one is I got an email from a listener who said that they really, really liked this project that they worked on, specifically about the correlation between sack differential and wins. And sack differential obviously being how many sacks you have versus how many sacks they have, and the correlation that has with winning. And I started looking into it because he sent me a nice long email with with, uh, some graphs and things like that in it, and I've been been digging into it. And I enjoy it, so I'm going to give it an honorable mention on my top five favorite stats list. I'm going to have to probably dig into it a little bit more, larger sample size, things like that. But it tracks logically that if you're getting after their quarterback and they're not getting after yours, that you're probably going to create more explosive plays. I would be interested to see a correlation between sack differential and toxic differential because I'll bet you there'd be one. But I'm going to evaluate that. But I thought it was interesting enough to warrant a shout out. And I want to make sure that that person who is probably listening to this pod knows that I did read your email. I did look it over. I thought about it. I talked to my wife about it. And I'm uh, I'm taking a look at it. The second one has absolutely nothing to do with NFL football and everything to do with college football. Because I got an email from Jamie. And Jamie wants my help. He wants to follow a college football team and he wants me to help him decide which college football team to follow and a couple things that he wanted to outline number one he doesn't mind losing number two he wants a dr pepper attitude what's the worst that can happen number three he likes the underdog man mentality number three number four f florida and texas while we're at it number five almost a zero chance that urban meyer ends up coasting there and number six a decent podcast would help out a lot. I have a thought for you. I have a thought for you, Jamie. My thought is this. Northwestern. Now hear me out. Northwestern's a Big Ten school. They're not a terrible football team. You said you're okay with some losing. They're consistently well coached. They deal with not getting five-star athletes. Pat Fitzgerald is an unbelievable coach. They'll consistently get the best possible out of their players. You're not going to run into any significant scandals there. There's zero chance Urban Meyer is going to go to coach there. It's a cold weather team. If you ever go to Chicago to watch a game, there's a lot of culture in Chicago. I'm not a huge Chicago fan, but a lot of people really enjoy the city. You know, it's right up there with LA and New York as far as places you can go and do a bunch of stuff. I like the uniforms. I think the purple is a great color. I think Northwestern is right up your alley. So I give them a shot. If I were you now, you know that I'm an Ohio state fan, but it doesn't really follow your moniker when it comes to those kind of things. I'm an Ohio state fan 
And I'm not an Urban Meyer fan. So that was difficult for a minute when he was the head coach of Ohio State. But I've said it before. I talked to my wife about it. If we weren't Ohio State fans, we might be Northwestern fans. And I'm not really a Chicago guy. So that probably tells you something. So for me, I would really look into Northwestern because that's on the list of a few of my favorite college football teams. Much like this podcast was a few of my favorite stats. I hope you enjoyed it because ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We did the thing. All the things have been done. We did them. They've been completed. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings. Buffalo Rumblings.